You're listening to Seahawks Stories, taking you behind the scenes with your favorite Seahawks. Setbacks behind Zorn, who's back to pass. Has time, looks for the left sideline, throws a bomb down there. He's got a man in front. He makes the grab. It's Rabel at the 30, down to the 20. They'll never get him. He scores. Touchdown, Seahawks. Powered by Seahawks.com. And Zorn laid it in perfectly to Rabel, who goes in to score on an 80-yard pass and run play. Now, here's your host, the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel, and Seahawks legend, Jim Zorn. Do you know how embarrassing that is? To be sitting here with headsets on, listening to one of the few passes I was able to corral, especially a touchdown catch from Mr. Zorn, with Steve Largent on the other line, who had more catches like in one game at some point than I had in an entire season. Steve, welcome. Hey, Steve Rabel, how you doing? <laughs> well, um, I'm I'm doing okay. I, I feel much smaller when I'm sitting here talking to you, but... But uh, it's great to have you on Seahawks Stories, and Z is sitting right across the table from me. So, Z-Man, how you doing today? I'm doing well. Do you have to tell people when you meet with people when Steve's not around, I was faster than Steve? No, I don't ever say anything about it. I just okay. say I was his food taster. That's all I ever say when people ask about me and Yoda. Uh, and, and we're going to get to the Yoda part. I apologize, Steve. I know everybody calls you Steve or Sir. Uh, but those of us who love you and know you, we, we still kind of call you Yoda. I hope that's all right. <laughs> that's fine. Okay, good. Um, let's start, like, at the beginning. Uh, and we've only got an hour or thereabouts, so we want to we wanna get as much in as we can. But, they, uh, Steve, those, those early days, Jim and I have talked about it a lot uh, in our uh, uh, opportunities here on this uh, Seahawks Stories podcast, to talk about those early days. And we all know, you know, you came in in that trade from Houston. You It took like one game and bang, you were in the starting lineup. From your standpoint, when was it that you felt comfortable and said, I know, A, I know I can be a help to this team, but B, I've got, I know I can make something work with this young left-handed quarterback. When did those things start to start to show for you? Uh, I can tell you that, I wasn't thinking in terms of uh, Z-Man or making the team or anything like that because I was coming from Houston where I had just been cut. And, you know, they they call it – they say I was traded, and that, in fact, is what technically happened. But before that, I was released by the Houston Oilers from Phillips and was uh, packing up uh, everything I owned, which wasn't much, in a – a small leather suitcase and uh and and had to call my wife to come down from tulsa to uh pick me up and uh and take me back to tulsa and uh so i i i was uh in the throes of trying to come to terms with uh being released from the only team that i ever knew of uh that that was interested in me and that was the houston oilers now behind the scenes what was taking place was uh, the Seahawks were trying to uh, work out a trade uh, with the Oilers after I was released. Um, and so that's what happened. They, they ended up uh, trading an eighth-round draft choice. I was dra- taken in the fourth round, uh, an eighth-round draft choice for me. And I got a call from the Seahawks, and uh, it was um, – oh, gosh, what was the uh, general manager's son's name? Ron? Rick Thompson. Rick Thompson. 
Rick Thompson, Rick Thompson. It was Rick Thompson who called me and said, hey, Steve, we want to give you another chance if you want to take it. And so I said, sure, you know, what do I need to do? And they told me they'd have an air, air, a ticket for me. I was to leave the next day, and so I did. And I didn't take nearly as many clothes with me this time <laughs> as, as I took uh, with me down at Houston. And I didn't take a lot even down to Houston, but uh, even, uh, for Seattle, because I didn't know what was going to happen or how long it, uh, it would last. But uh, my ace in the hole really was Jerry Rome, who was the uh, quarterback receiver coach he was the one that was that tried to convince the Seahawks to draft me uh but then when I was released uh was was right on top of it and uh talked the Seahawks into trading for an eighth round draft choice for me for a guy that got cut and uh, I'm surprised he even got a eighth round pick but um you know they did and uh so then the next thing I knew I was in Seattle and I was with Jerry and my ace in the hole uh, was the fact that Jerry Rome had implemented our entire offense from Tulsa University into the Seahawks playbook. So when they asked me to line up, you know, wherever I was supposed to be, uh, I knew exactly the, how deep to run the routes, when to look for the ball, uh, and, and all those kind of things that you guys were working on since training camp started. I, I'd, been, I'd been doing for three years at the University of Tulsa. That was when Jerry came to the University of Tulsa as a coach uh, for my college team for three years. So uh, that was a huge bonus for me, uh, the fact that I could step in the huddle, know where to line up, know where, how deep the route was to run, when the quarterback's going to throw the ball. Uh, I had been doing that stuff for three years. Yeah, Jim, did, when, you, when you hear that, and you've heard the story, you know it, you, you and Steve are as close as any guys I know. Um, when you hear that, do you ever stop to think – and obviously in our game, we never kind of look back very much, but I came this close. This is you talking. I came this close to not having a guy like Steve Largent, who not only was is a Hall of Fame receiver, but became the closest friend in the world. I came this close, and Steve, my fingers are about an inch and a half apart right mm-hmm. here, came this close to maybe not having a guy like, like Steve Largent on this team. It, it's, it is uh, weird, but I nobody thinks about those things. Yeah. We go along, and you you – as as Chuck Knox would say, you play the hand you're dealt. Mm-hmm. And we you go through, and it's just, uh, I think you gravitate towards things that are happening as they go along. I didn't know Steve had Jerry for three years in college, even today. That's the first I'd ever heard of that. Uh, and, and Steve, I do know, and you know, that Steve was married all through college. Yep. And so, uh, but... To learn about Steve and then to watch Steve develop, to watch him die for balls. I mean, he really set the set the bar high for All guys like your, for, for everybody to go out and uh, play with uh, passion, play with the with the ability that that you had, and to improve as you're going along. Mm-hmm. He was serious about ball, and I loved it because I like that technical part, the detail part of f- football. And he he brought it with him. I'm not saying that you didn't bring it, Steve. <laughs> well, but uh, we both but we both know. But Yoda brought it, and yeah. we worked uh, we worked a lot on the side, yeah, uh, b- before and after practice to try to uh, b- be precise with what we were going to try to accomplish during a game. Yeah, 
Steve, for somebody like me who came out of a wishbone offense for two years at Georgia Tech, it, it, and to this day, when people ask me, I say I, I was always amazed at watching a guy like Steve, and to maybe a little bit lesser extent, but Sam McCollum, who had run, he'd been in pro styles before he understood running pass routes and, and all that. It was, it was amazing to me to watch the skill. I just always thought being a receiver, you just run out there and maybe run past somebody and catch the ball. But how many years, how long did it take you to develop the kinds of abilities that that ended up showing forth in a, in a Hall of Fame career. How long did that take? It wasn't just a natural thing for you, was it? Uh, no, it wasn't natural, but it really began when my high school coach said, hey, you, you, you've been playing running back. We're going to put you at wide receiver. Uh, and so I had to learn a whole new position uh, from the start, right from my sophomore year uh, in high school. And I had another quarterback there, uh, Tony Brantley, who played for Notre Dame. And then uh, he uh, he went on to punt for somebody. I can't remember. But uh, anyway, uh, Tony and I worked together really, really closely, too, and uh, to hone the skill that we were both learning, uh, learning, you know, pass routes and, and timing and all that sort of thing. And, and so uh, I just I just uh, kind of grew up with a mentality of a work workman's mentality uh, for playing the game. And, and, you know, there's, there's no secret to it. It just takes a lot of hard work. Let me give you an example of what Steve's talking about, because let's say the, uh, a comeback, a, a, a deep out. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the, the coaching staff picks the yardage and, and every coaching staff has different ideas of how deep that comeback should be. So let's say it's 18 yards. Well, what Steve and I would do is he would say, okay, uh, Z, I'm, it, now I'm going to make believe that the DB is hard inside technique, but he's off. Okay, and then you watch him, he's running his route, I'm throwing him the ball, and now, okay, now the guy's playing soft, but he's outside shoulder. Now what? Now here's what I'm going to do there. And now he's playing uh, press. He's Now he's press man. Now he's pressing and bailing out. Uh, so all these different, now he's hard press inside technique. Now here's what I'm going to do. And so we would work on those different techniques that a DB would, uh, would, um, we had to make believe it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we'd have Dave Brown, Mm -hmm. uh, give us the example on the other side, but we'd run a lot of those routes versus air, just imagining what, you know, what the DB was. And that's, I think that's one of the reasons we had good, the communication was there because inevitably during the game now we'd see I'd see a DB and he'd be hard inside off and I'd know okay Steve's going to run and at the top of his route he's going to be straight up man but I better get it to the sideline because when he he's Mm -hmm. wicked when he comes out of his break Mm -hmm. I'm going to get the ball there so when he turns the ball was already in the air and uh, those are the things that we worked on we we did it at practice but we talked about him in and slowed everything down as we were talking about them, so we could get them right during right. the game. Those kinds of specifics, uh, and I know they they break things down like that uh, much more so today. And and uh, but even then, uh, it was being done. Uh, and I'll tell you, it wasn't just uh, Z who had that kind of trust in in uh, in uh, Steve in being in the right place and all that sort of thing. I'll I'll never forget we played a game in Cleveland at the old stadium in Cleveland, the old municipal stadium, and it was windy and cold and. Steve, you, uh, you might remember the game, but uh, the the field was all beat up. You know, they had grass in those days. It was all torn up. 
anyway, we had, we were going on a drive, and Steve, you would run like three pass routes or four pass routes in a row, made three or four catches in a row, and you you know you tapped out, you held your hand up and and started to come to the sidelines. So I came running in. I heard this later from Howard Mudd, who said. Uh, Jerry about jumped out of the booth. What is Rabel going in there for? Because he had just sent the play in uh-huh. to be like a 77 Z8 or something, yeah, yeah. and uh, which was Steve's route. I mean, that was Steve's calling card. Yeah. If it's the post isn't there, if it's a zone, he's yeah. going to break it off and he's going to run the, the outside yeah. route. And so I went ahead and ran it that way, and I caught a pass down to about the five-yard line. It was a nice, beautiful over-the-shoulder throw. But it was just funny, Steve, that the, Jerry obviously had that kind of trust in you, and he knew uh, and he understood, you know, what you brought to the table. And, and I don't know, I think all of us knew that. Uh, I, did, I never wanted to see you come out of the game. Uh, I always liked being in the game with you. Um, talk about those, those teams that we had early on and, the, you know, the relationships, maybe not as much as the X's and O's, but the relationships with all of these guys we all played together for those first six, seven years before the Chuck Knox era came around. Well, I think the thing that uh, really, uh, for me, uh, made a difference uh, in in the team were the core group of guys that we had, uh, whether it was Dave Brown or Sherman Smith or mm-hmm. Jim or myself or you, Steve. Uh, we had a core group that was rock solid. Uh, Norm Evans, yep. another guy that was rock solid guy that you could look up to uh that had been around you know been around uh, football his whole life and uh just guys that uh, had a lot of experience in the league that we looked up to that that were really great examples for us and you know that we we had you know many guys maybe 10 or 15 on the out, outside that uh you know uh, maybe weren't as good of players and didn't last as long. And there was a kind of a revolving door in at the Seahawks for uh, at least for the first year, if not the second or third year uh, that, that guys were coming and going, but there was a core group that was uh, really the, the, the face of the Seahawks that were very good football players uh, that uh, really gave everything they had uh, that knew how to play the game that uh, set a positive example for all the rest of us. Uh, and that, that was, that was really how I feel like that I, uh, was raised in the NFL, uh, through very experienced players and coaches. And, uh, I, I learned a lot. In fact, Z, you and I talked about it in our first conversation. We both, Steve, thought that one of the things, one of the issues that happened to us after the 79 season was when we started to make those changes, especially up front and guys like Nick Bebout. Uh, you know, you let go of him and you start bringing in some young offensive linemen. And, yeah, you know, we all play the game. We know that you're going to have to, you know, change some faces along the way. But a guy like Nick, who was such a, a leader on that offensive front, you know, you had Fig over there at guard, Bob Newton and, and Artie and then John Yarno at center. Guys that we, you know, were really kind of stabilizing factors. Sometimes change doesn't equal getting better, at least initially, right, Z? That's right. It takes. It does take time. We laughed at a bunch of guys coming in and out, but they did go out almost as quickly as they mm-hmm. came in. They just weren't right for the for the NFL, yeah. and some weren't right for the Seahawks team, but but played and did well on other teams. And it, it was that core group, you're right, that uh, kind of took us, It uh, or we took the team and the fans took the team. I mean, we, we kind of went a distance, 
and uh, we got we got stymied a little bit in the early 80s, 80, 81. Yeah. I, I could you could feel it. We yeah. just didn't we weren't getting better, and other teams had gotten better. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think reality reality for us set in saying, okay, we we you know that first round draft choice was was premium, mm-hmm. and. Did we know that coming in? Probably not, because we were an expansion team. Right. We didn't have a history. We were creating that history. Yeah, Steve, how much did kind of things change for you? I know the obviously offenses and verbiage and all that stuff. How much did things change for you though when Chuck took over and took the team to that next level? Now you're without, you know, you don't have guys at least toward the end of the Chuck Knox era. Certainly. Uh, guys like Z and myself and Sam and all those guys that you had kind of grown up with as kids. Now you were that older veteran. How did things change? Well, I think I think uh, for me, the the greatest changes that I that I noted was not so much the X's and O's, the depth of the route, or you know uh, all that kind of stuff, the technical stuff, but it was more the demeanor uh, that Chuck carried himself. And that he ex- expected and demanded from his coaching staff uh, about that you know we were going to win and there was no doubt about it. Uh, Chuck had always uh, come from a winning franchise, and uh, he was going to make another winning franchise in Seattle. And it was really just a, a, a confidence thing. A uh, uh, I don't know what else you would call it, uh, but but Chuck was the factor in the turnaround uh, of the Seahawks. Uh, I think uh, there's no question about that. And he just instilled a, 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 a type of confidence that uh, we didn't have before. Uh, and, and it really was, I, I, don't think, I, don't think, I don't think Chuck could have come in the very first year and done any better than, than uh, the coaches that we had, but uh, he came in at the right time and delivered the right message and uh, really did a great job, I thought, in uh, turning the franchise around. I've often said that he ended up taking mostly Jack's players and taking you guys to the AFC Championship game uh, that year in 1983. I mean, it was just an amazing run. Now, he had a little bit of help. They they went out and got Kurt Warner. That really helped the offense to have that young man. Um, I'll never forget, also, the very first handoff I gave to Kurt Warner. I cannot tell you how how different it was because the acceleration yeah. that he took it with you know we're as a quarterback uh the idea is press the ball in right you're you're not just holding it out there right. but you're you're actually reaching and pressing the ball in when i pressed the ball into kurt warner there was a big difference in how he accelerated away from me uh down the field it was like it, you know, it was like he was saying, "Oh, I got, I know how to, I know what I'm doing here. Let me have this." There was never a question; it was always acceleration. If memory serves, his first run, official run in the National Football League, was like 50 yards around the left side. It might have been Kansas 60, City. and that's the one I'm talking. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Yeah, about 60 yards, and when he took it, it was just, whew, you know, I could make that sound effect, but that's how that's how it felt when I. Handed him the ball. Yeah, we drafted him. We had Jacob Green. Yeah, oh my. you know, and then uh, Cortez came and, and easily for a short and time. And then Kenny Easley. Yeah. yeah, and so uh, we started seeing that those draft choices were p- panning out. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think the Seahawks were trying to be creative earlier, 
yeah. but we we you know we didn't benefit as much from uh, a, a football star like a Kurt Warner. Right. Steve, I, I, we could talk, you know, obviously teams and plays and wins and records and all those things uh, all day. Unfortunately, NASA's looking at me like, listen, Rabes, this is only going to be an hour show, so come on, let's get on with it. So um, let's let's move on a little bit uh, beyond that. Uh, I, I, there was one one thing I wanted you to talk about before I let you go today, and that is uh, that, that game where you caught your uh, 100th touchdown pass and you gave your jersey to Pete Gross. Um, and I, I, to me, for somebody who gets the honor of sitting in his seat now every Sunday and have for however many years, uh, it was still one of the most moving things I ever saw. I don't know how you decided to do that. Maybe you can tell us if it just was a spur of the moment deal, but uh, it was, it's just so indelibly etched on my memory what you did for Pete that day. You know, I, I actually think, Steve, that it was, it was a divine thing. Uh, because I didn't have, I had zero thought of doing that before the game. Uh, but at the time, it seemed like the right thing to do. And and now looking back on it, I I, I still think it was the right thing to do. Uh, that uh, Pete had been such a indelible part of the Seahawks history uh, for 14 years, and uh, and this was my last game, and this was my chance to you know to really uh, honor Pete. Uh, for the way he had conducted himself and uh, his demeanor. And, and uh, he's always just such a first-class guy, uh, always very positive about the Seahawks, regardless of our record. Uh, and uh, so, I, I mean, I just, it, there was no doubt that, you know, what I was going to do with that jersey if I got the chance. Uh, but again, it wasn't, it, it wasn't with a lot of forethought uh, that I did that. It was just, uh, just a, a, I don't know, something came over me and said this was the right thing to do. And looking back, like I said, it was exactly the right thing to do. Oh, without question. And and for those who are listening that don't know the full story, Pete went on to pass uh, a short time later, a year later, a uh, year and yeah. a half later uh, from cancer. He actually broadcast almost up until the time that he passed away. How many years did you work with Pete uh, after you were done? 22. No, <laughs> not. Uh, I beg your pardon, 22 as the analyst. But for from 1982 until 92 when he died, so 11 seasons, I oh, guess. You, you had 11 seasons with, with him, and you the were booth. the color. Yes. Uh, he was the play-by-play. He was play-by-play. And so wow. I was just downstairs in, was in, in Pete's press conference uh, talking to some people who have done some play-by-play, and they wanted to see how I set my board up, how I did my notes. And I told them, much of what I learned, I learned from a guy like Pete Gross. And, Steve, you can attest to this, too. Kenny Easley has always said this. He said Pete was one of the only guys in that locker room who would walk up, and the first thing he would say is, can I ask you a few questions? Not stick the microphone in your face and just blast away, but, Mm. hey, Steve, hey, Ken, hey, Jim, can I ask you a couple of questions? And that was the kind of person Pete was. Yeah, no question about that. I mean, uh, Pete, Pete, I I think, like I said, he just left an, an indelible uh, impression on all the people that he worked with, including me. And, uh, he was always a gentleman, always gentle. Uh, he was, uh, always, you know, just, uh, a really, you know, fair, uh, upright guy that you had tremendous respect for. And I had that same respect for him. Now, the most important question I'm going to ask you today, 
When was it <laughs> that you decided that you needed not to be rooming with me on the road, knowing full well that I complained so much about your snoring? I, I, honest to goodness, Steve, I don't know how Terry has done it all these years. God bless her. She's, she's, she's got a an, sound machine. She's an angel. She's going to need more than a sound machine. I mean, I've said this before. When sleeping in the same room with Steve sounded like you could hear geese getting ready to hit the door. You know, honk, bang. It sound, that was what it sounded like. Good Lord, my friend. Uh, it never woke me up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Did you go a whole year? A whole to... season with no sleep, at least on game night. Yeah. You know, the night before the game. Uh, well, it w- I mean, it wasn't that bad. Part of it was uh, I didn't allow myself to get some sleep some nights either. That was that was you, on me. But the, it's, it's like the one of the only things that you remember because you've brought it up like <laughs> two or three times yeah. now. It has an impact in your life. It, it, I sure hope uh, your bride, Sharon, doesn't snore. No, she doesn't. I, yeah. But guess what? I have now become that. I have become Steve you Larger. that irritant. Only in the snoring category. Let me put it. Let me tell everybody that up front. <laughs> Uh, but and then you know Adkins and I developed that relationship. Huh? Isn't it interesting how quarterbacks, yeah. receivers, you know, because you you end up talking the same language all right. the time. And Steve, you and Jim did that, and uh, and yeah. Sam and I did that too. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah, yeah. It's been it, it was really a fun. I mean, I, I look back on those years that I played with the Seahawks, and uh, they they just were uh, irreplaceable. Uh, it was so much fun. Uh, to play the games, uh, to uh, you know, you know, develop the game plan, uh, to execute the game plan, uh, and to celebrate after the after the season or after the game. Uh, I just have so many fond memories of, of my time in Seattle, uh, and it, it was just so 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 much fun. You know, Steve, uh, the thing that one of the things that I remember about you and and, and thinking about this idea, Rabes, uh, with quarterback. Mm-hmm. Receiver relationships. You did not ever uh, con- uh, contest what the game plan was going to be like. I never heard you go in and say, you know, pound the table and say, no, we need to do this or we need to do that. It was once wh- what we would do is just learn and trust basically what was being developed. Like we trusted the coaches that what they were seeing on video. We were we were going to get during the game, and our game plan was going to reflect that. You 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 didn't do a lot of uh, trying to change the game plan, did you? When you were uh, a, a part of either Patera era or I didn't see it then, and uh, even Chuck Knox era. No, I, I didn't. Uh, I, I trusted the the game plan that we came in with, uh, but I sure would get into my quarterback or, or offensive coordinator's ear in the middle of the game and say, Hey, if we ran this route, this would be a home run, uh, and give advice, uh, to my quarterback and to my offensive coordinator about what I saw, what we could do on second down, third down, uh, whatever. And, uh, uh just things that I felt, uh, c- could help us win. And I, I think I did that more, uh, you know, in my later years, so to say, uh, and, and, you know, after I'd played six, seven years, eight years in the league, I played 14 and all. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I think that I was more willing to share the information that I could give to them coming off the field and uh, making suggestions yeah. on uh, plays work. Steve, um, we talked about the, the Pete Gross moment. 
Uh, there was another moment when you asked our longtime friend, Gary Wright, who was at the time the director of PR for the Seahawks, to give the uh, introductory uh, or induction uh, speech for uh, to Hall of Fame. yes to welcome you into the yeah. Hall of Fame. Um, yeah. how, how did you choose Gary, and what did that what did that day mean to you after all that you had been through in your career? And you you know I mean listen you your background was a little bit tougher than some others uh, that you had to overcome and that you did, and here you are standing up in front of all of those yellow jacket uh, folks uh, at the Hall of Fame. Well, you know, um, there, there were, there were two reasons and they were both influential in, in my life, uh, that I, that I chose Gary. Uh, one was that, uh, I had Jim Zorn for my quarterback for the first half of my career and Dave Craig, my quarterback for the last half of my career. And, you know, Jim really became my best friend and still is. Uh, and Dave was a very good friend. We worked hard on the field and did all the things that I did with Jim. Uh, but, but I, so, so it was really a hard decision. Who do I pick? And Gary Wright was a guy that over my entire career, 14 years, uh, was just always a great guy, always, um, did his job with class and reverence and a guy that I, I really respected. And so I, I couldn't make a decision between Dave or Craig and, and I mean, Dave or, or Jim. And, uh, so I, I chose Gary and, uh, because it would be too hard to tell, uh, tell Dave or tell Jim, Hey, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to go with the other guy. And so I, I couldn't do that. And so, um, I, I chose, uh, uh, Gary and, uh, it was a good choice. I mean, Derek, Gary did a great job. He'd always done a great job. Uh, and I have no uh, issues about uh, him him uh, introducing me, or I, I wouldn't change my mind today uh, over that decision. But it was a hard decision. Yeah, Steve, that was in 1995, and now uh, you've seen the Hall of Fame. Uh, you've been a part of the Hall of Fame since then. How how has uh, the Hall of Fame changed, or has it changed, since you have been inducted? Uh, how are, are things done the same way? Are you? Do you do things differently today than what you had done just by getting into the Hall of Fame? Well, let me tell you, one, one of the biggest differences is there's a whole lot of guys that were there in 1995 that aren't there now. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That, that's a constant reminder for me uh, that, uh, you know, life is not very long. Uh, and, 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 but, but to, in saying that, I would also say there's a whole lot of guys that are there now that weren't there in 1995. Mm. And it's really fun to get to know those players uh, on a personal level when they come into the hall. Uh, I get to see them, you know, two or three times a year. And uh, so that that's really fun. And uh, uh, so I, I really enjoy that. But, uh, you know, to be inducted in the Hall of Fame, that's like every player's dream. Uh, and, and so I I don't take it for granted. Uh, I I really feel blessed by, uh, that and, uh, being in the hall of fame. Uh, I think that's uh, one of the highest honors that you can have, uh, as a uh, football player in the national football league. Steve, you truly have had a remarkable life, uh, hall of fame career. You go on to be elected to Congress. 
Uh, although I don't know if today you would want to be within, you know, 500 <laughs> miles of that place. Um, and then a successful corporate career. What is what do the largents do today? What what keeps Steve, Terry, the family? What keeps you occupied? What's fun for you? I know you come out and see Z-Man uh, every so often. You come out here and visit the Seahawks. But what is a what is a typical day for the largents like? Well, we don't have a typical day anymore. Uh, but I, I'm still married. <laughs> That's a good thing. Yes. Uh, yeah, Terry, Terry and I, I didn't get married at my first years in college, Jim. I was married in my junior year oh, in okay. college. But, uh, yeah, Terry and I, uh, we have 10 grandkids, and uh, that's always fun to see them. We have seven of them living here uh, in Tulsa and three of them in Seattle. Uh, our oldest son, Kyle, is uh, living in Seattle uh, once again with his job and he's got three daughters. So, uh, we always look forward to seeing them, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, my life is, is, has slowed down, uh, somewhat in that I'm not working at, you know, a, a regular eight to five jobs, five days a week. Uh, I am, uh, I, I still do some speaking and appearance work and stuff like that, but I'm really just, uh, enjoying my grandkids and watching their football games and baseball games and soccer games and all that stuff. Uh, and, uh, enjoying my wife and enjoying my life, uh, here in Tulsa. That's it. That's good. Glad you're glad you're doing all those things. And I really look forward to seeing you when you come up and we chase around. He's got, uh, as you well know, he's got certain eating habits mm-hmm. and, uh, he, he'll say, Hey, we should have, you know, when he comes into town, Hey, we should have lunch. Well, I never, I used to suggest, okay, let's go here. I know I've learned, you know, I'm kind of a pretty smart guy, never to suggest a place to go for Steve because he's already got things in mind uh-huh. and he has certain, you know, certain places that he, her certain haunts, especially here in Seattle that he has to go yeah. frequent. So yeah. we go to those places I'm okay with it because I, you know, I can I can eat m- most of what Steve likes, and here we go. But um, yeah, uh, you just don't want to get on his wrong side when it comes to food, and I, you know, you learn that over the years. Well, I guess I should be honored then. That we've all had breakfast together a number of times yes, up we on have. Queen Anne. There's yeah. a little place up there that we like to go and have breakfast, and uh, and we just we, you know, uh, Steve, we just don't get a chance to see you enough, and uh, I just. You know, always look forward to when you and Terry can get out here. It's always fun when we come down onto the field on Sundays and there we get a chance to see you. Um, it 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 has been not only has this hour been fun for me. You and Jim get to talk a lot. You and I don't quite as much, but it has been such a treat to to be your friend and to be uh, Jim's bud here. And for the three of us to have gone back now almost fifty years that we've all been associated with the Seahawk organization. We all grew up together. Um, Sharon and I got married. You guys were there. Uh, Joy and Jim the same way. Uh, it's that part of us becoming adults and now growing into old men, quite frankly, uh, has been you know a treasure to, to my life and, and to all of us who can say we know you. Um, I appreciate it, Steve. Thank you for taking the time. Well, thank you, Steve. And, you know, I feel the same way about you and Jim. And uh, we, we, we've had a rich, rich 
history that we've shared together. And uh, there's just not much that can replace that. And so I really count it a blessing that uh, I've been able to hang out with you guys and play with you guys and uh, just uh, be friends for so many years. And it's really been, uh, like I said, a rich, rich blessing in my life. Yeah. And for me, uh, here we are in the Seahawk office still. Mm-hmm. How about that? I mean, how many years ago did we play? We met something to the team then. We moved on. I've been coaching. You've been speaking. Uh, Steve's been Hall of Faming <laughs> and uh, do, doing all kinds of stuff. But to do all these things and then still be a part of the, the Hawks and the, 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 the fan base yeah. that we get to, uh, that we get to uh, impact, uh, people still remember we're going to be in old school uniforms here yeah. uh, this year, and it's kind of exciting to see the old logo uh, and so much of it at the uh, at the Seahawks games here in 2023. Yeah, they they call them now throwbacks. Yeah. We just called them our jerseys. Right, that's what we wore. Those those were what we wore. But but there will be a number eighty, and uh, and I think I'm going to get Sharon a number eighty three. She's got one, but. There's not too many other people want those, but 10s and 80s will be in uh, rich supply, I am sure, out here. Steve, thanks very much. <laughs> we will we will see you the next time you come out here, and don't make it too long, okay? All right, guys. Thank you so much. Bye, Stephen. James, lovely job as always. No, it's let's see to... what other old geezer we can we can search up for next week. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just had uh, Bob Newton call me on the phone while we were oh. uh, while we were interviewing Steve. Bob would be a good one. That would, we that ought would to talk really to fun. Bob too. Uh, thanks so much for all of you for uh, checking out Seahawk Stories. We appreciate it. Wherever you can find your finest podcast, we'll talk to you next time.